0: On fire night and we need money to buy fireworks like cheap fireworks like tomorrow no yeah what we need to do is we need to get money
1: to buy loads and loads and loads of toilet roll which will scrunch up into little triangular toilet roll things and push into the ears of startled animals
2: oh yeah
0: that's, that's very very my girlfriend's very, told yeah.
2: me that she's read uh two news articles of puppies having
0: heart attacks puppies the last the days. humanity i know humanity. exactly well, give us some money, we'll save all the puppies. I think that's fair, right?
2: Yeah, easiest way to Imagine having
0: a heart easiest way to a give a puppy, us money is to sign up to our Patreon. How can puppies get any more excited? It's patreon.com forward slash unsung Pod. Donate to our puppy fund, that and is, you get stuff in return. That is, I feel like
1: we're exploiting of puppies. The deaths of puppies. <laughs> we're not. We're saving puppies. <laughs> we're, not, we're not really going yeah. to use that money to save puppies. That is, if that's been the public deciding? I'm taking a stand it, here, right? If, <laughs> if we, get I'll eight, buy one roll of toilet roll. Uh, you you honestly go around putting it into the ears of puppies with heart murmurs any puppy I can find I, I think this is false advertising mm. and I think what mm. we're doing under the guise
0: of comedy is actually uh, profoundly unethical <laughs> I mean is this to say is this different from any other
3: week <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so go to patreon.com forward slash unsungpod uh, check out their rewards and stuff like that that'd be really good and then you can see if you want to donate you obviously do want to donate though right you don't normally yeah, you definitely do I mean, it's worth it especially if it's you've the got, right like, thing to do think of the puppies what's a get, bargain we got about like a thousand I pound line around.
1: Like, definitely just chuck it out and way. if you don't do it then I'm going to spend <laughs> the next week running
0: about startling puppies <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say just go around kicking puppies just no just come on, kicking on I was trying to keep it funny <laughs> mm. It's funny it's just dark
1: no well, i mean there's there's a comedic line between start the image of me kicking. running about trying to sneak up on puppies and frighten them or tell them things about the impending financial collapse.
0: Mm. As opposed to me the just kick, kicking animals. cute little animals That's... The impending financial collapse I think we've probably fucked this episode already Fuck <laughs> yeah. okay, it, who cares? It's uh, your birthday
2: Chris nah, It's,
1: it's birthday. my birthday right. uh, We could ask for money last week and put it towards my birthday I know but we didn't, no. we didn't do that. <laughs> <And so> fucking <laughs> Do nothing go, Like
0: one of my mates is buying me a pizza And then I'm coming home to watch The Walking Dead Excellent, that sounds exciting so, just a couple of Shout outs here. Apparently, we've got nine. Jew I think I've done some of these, but we'll do it again because I think as complete. Oh, we've definitely done some of these because I have definitely seen these, said these. Items. That's cool. They get a bonus. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, Tim Russell. I don't know I've said your name before. Jason definitely said your name before, and I fucked up your surname, so I'm not going to say it again. Blair Charbonneau Charbon, yeah, Charbon. Yeah. I mean, that's like a French place. <laughs> um, mark Adam, uh, Kenny Bonella, and new guy who just joined us today, Sammy Edwards. Thanks uh, Sammy um, And if we forgot your name Please let us know um, Thank you You'll all have your, treats Coming to you soon Yeah enjoy your benefits Which the people Who are listening to this Probably don't have And they should go to unsungpod.net For slash Donate And do that Donate Donate
2: Great Alright Thanks for the let's podcast get On with us.
0: Hi, welcome to the Unsung Podcast, I'm your host Mark Fraser uh, uh, He's your host Mark Fraser right. And he is your host Mark Fraser <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you remember we used to actually Introduce that. each
2: other Introduce each other, yeah uh, like Well, I
1: wonder if we can pinpoint
2: in, what episode that, that actually When could, it collapsed could, Somebody can Well, <laughs> sitting across from me is the birthday boy, Mr Chris Cusack yeah, it's Happy Christmas birthday Happy birthday, Chris It is I Are you 40 yet? You're like 45 I'm, I'm not
1: 40, oh, oh, no. man But I am... Um, closer to I'm working on my 30. dad bod <laughs> I'm working on trying to expand that area below the moobs but above the, the kind of like punch. Yeah what would you like, call that? It's like it's where your stomach actually is you know it's where the food lands yeah. and you get that kind of weird phase in a male life where if you're not a gym bunny it just starts to protrude just too much just because it's just, it's just there and it's like you start
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that the Grinch <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like it feels it's, like a
1: Grinch well it's gonna destroy Christmas um, but uh, yeah uh, I'm, I'm working on
2: that to force that steadily have you, outwards have you had a I see some people on on the internet pretty much stretch their birthday out to a whole week oh. and they're like oh this is my birthday weekend and this is uh, it's still my birthday oh, have you had a nice birthday week <laughs> Chris last. yeah yeah uh, No.
1: (laughs) I had a good weekend. I went to a couple of shows. I saw Big Business on Sunday night. Yeah, how was that? They were momentously good. Like, just absolutely furious Mm -hmm. and brilliant. Uh, That was a really well-spent night. I saw some other music. saw a couple of movies, uh, both of which I didn't expect much from. The new Terminator, the sequel to The Shining, which I didn't think was a thing that should be. And actually was surprised that both are pretty decent. Not great, but pretty decent. And... Yeah, had a nice time hanging out, uh, made some new friends. So it was okay, and I, like a sad boy, B-O-I, I treated myself to a weekend away
2: in Bologna, which is where oh, I'm going on, on Friday. Yeah. The home of Bologna. Is it? Bologna, that's what they call Bologna. They spell Bologna, bologna in America. Mm. Bologna and Bologna are the same thing. In mm. America, except when they say bologna, it's bologna like, sausage is bologna sausage. Yeah, but when you're talking bologna, they spell it B A L O N E Y. Yeah, but if you have a bologna sausage,
1: it's actually bologna. Yeah, I wonder why the other one changed. Um, it's it's also not the home of spaghetti bolognese. I ah, had spaghetti bolognese last night. New York. Uh, it's the home of lasagna. So there you go. Hey, well, there you go. Um You
2: know, I'm it. actually I'm perfecting a spaghetti bolognese that I would love to. Uh, foist upon let, let an Italian try and see what they think <laughs> you feed it to a puppy yeah to startle
0: a puppy with <laughs> spaghetti <laughs> you would be like has it got meat in it you would be like no they would be like ah, I, have a, um, I have a friend who only feeds his uh, dog vegan dog food
2: dogs can I don't think that's right at all I don't think it is either but he does dogs can handle uh, not, uh, a non-meat diet but cats cannot yeah but they're not consenting to it no, they're not consenting to it. No. But if That's you, go, if you go down that route, then should humans have pets? Yeah, no. it's a slippery slope. Exactly, it's a very slippery slope. No. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark. Yeah, Hi. How, are, how hey. are you?
0: How's your week been? It's been okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I can't. I was trying to think of what I've been doing for the past week and I can't fucking think of anything. I, I, I hosted a lip sync battle on Working Friday and it a water spectacular. Oh, so yeah. yeah. How amazing. did that go? How, how did was, your DJing go? It was great fun. Um. Yeah. Did oh, I, you Did you see a picture, David? Oh, yeah. He looked sharp oh, as hell. Yeah. I'm going to wear it at our club night. Jeez. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be glorious. Uh, it is the cheapest suit I've ever bought, and I'm I'm fairly certain that if an open flame was near me, I would definitely go on fire. Um. But it was also the best fitting suit I've ever had, despite the fact I've had many tailor suits. It's still <laughs> the best fucking fitting suit Work, I've ever had. Working on your dead boy. That's of it. <laughs> um. Uh, it was. It was made of stars. That's mm-hmm. all I can really say. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, I spray painted my hair silver. Uh, that was cool. Great. A <laughs> wee you? insight into the future there. <laughs> I didn't actually know <laughs> that you'd done that. Yeah, my beard and my hair. Oh wow! And then I got home at like half past two and I was like, I'm going right in the fucking shower to get this shit off in a word. So right, mm. fair play.
2: On Saturday night, I went to see a hip hop act called Injury Reserve. They were playing in a. I know you can't get very sold out because it's either sold out or not but Mono on Saturday night felt very, very sold out. It was so sweaty. Uh, basically, you know how you sell 300 tickets and 260 folk might turn up. felt like all 300 people turned up and they were all right at the front and there's, you know, no security. And the band have, they just turn on the smoke machine and the only lights they have are big, huge strobe lights facing the crowd. Mm. And it was uh, quite a sensory overload. But it was good, yeah. It was like one of those shows where a lot of young people were very excited to be there. And, uh... That was interesting. I <laughs> like how we now talk about that from the perspective of people of that don't people. fit in that
1: category. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> I don't I definitely don't fit in that category. It's just anymore, there so. in the tone.
0: But um I was a young person excited by the album we we're gonna talk about, Mark. As was I. Yeah. I was thinking about it um when I was doing the research and this I think this might actually be the first hardcore record I ever bought. Oh, really? I Mm -hmm. wasn't that young.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I wasn't that excited, so uh, (laughs) let's crack on.
0: Let's get your...
3: (laughs) So what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Pass the Flask by the Bled. Yep. Which... Yes, seriously took me back. Um
0: yeah. And yeah, I don't know where to start. Uh, where should I start? Probably at the start. <laughs> Maybe at the start. Um I can't even remember how I heard how I heard this band, like to be honest. Um the other the previous other hardcore record that I had heard properly before this one was uh American Nightmares background music. <laughs> The reason I heard that was because I uh, seen a review of it and crying. It was it got five Ks, uh-huh. uh, and that was super abrasive, unlike anything I'd ever really heard before. Uh, at the time, I was kind of getting into like metalcore stuff like that, so I think I probably picked up this band through one of the bands, maybe t- maybe support one of the bands that I went to see at the time. Uh-huh. Um, they were on some fairly sizable tours yeah especially after it's, it's this record though, on, Yeah, um, I remember uh, I've, I've seen these guys a whole bunch of times i definitely seen them supporting somebody in King Tut's but I've seen them playing downstairs on a bar and it was sold out and it was like just like fucking 60 minutes of utter chaos
2: yeah uh, I I remember the first time I heard of The Bled was in Kerrang as well and they were getting like 5k live reviews and they were chaotic and they had black curly hair so they were obviously getting compared to At The Drive-In mm. and to Trail of Dead but they were also they were breaking instruments and they had this like sort of total air of chaos around the time that this album was coming out so I was like immediately went and bought the record but that's totally misleading yeah kind of completely well I would say m- musically oh my god they're miles apart yeah <laughs> yes, yeah. It's that, yeah I would say that but I mean in terms of the chaotic energy on stage the audience was, wise they're miles apart as well uh, yeah
1: maybe this is a little guy band I mean there's one thing you can say about uh trail of dead for example that kind of sonic Youth aesthetic was much more gender neutral um i think the bled are the epitome of or at least at this point a little guy band a little guy black shirt fringe getting in the
2: pit kind of little guy you're talking exactly about my (laughs) ex-flatmate who uh whose myspace name was named after uh, the bled song Ah. (laughs) so uh yes correct
0: Mm mm-hmm well, they kind of came around about the same time, uh, and from the same kind of vibe as Every Time I Die.
3: And time. Right. Um, this album was
1: 2003, but they yeah. already had two EPs prior to that, a self-titled
0: one, mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the other one called? The other one was called... Something a, First Crash. His, his first, first Crush. First yeah. um, Which, first EP doesn't even have the same singer on it as the guy that's on this record mm-hmm. tonight. It sounds completely differently. like... Or definitely a band. Can
1: I... Sorry, just yeah. to interject here, right? So we should probably delineate here. This album came out in 2003 and, as we found out, went out of print for, like, about five years.
2: Yeah, the record label actually just uh, went up in flames. It yeah, yeah. went out of business, so... so um Basically, they reissued it with the first two EPs tacked on
1: so that the version, there's like a white version, which is a reissue, which is like 20 songs or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the black version, which is what we're going to review, which is the original version of it. Came out in 2003. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 10 tracks. So just to kind of make that clear. And if you want to hear those EPs, they are on that extended version that was re-released years later when mm -hmm. the band had kind of kicked
0: on. Yeah. Um, So Chris is right in saying they're definitely a wee guy band because they were touring at the time with bands like From Autumn to Ashes and Thursday and stuff like that Um, and they're heavier than pretty much most of the bands we're touring with Um, and a lot more technical as well in places Um, and they were wee guys when they released this record, like they were still really young guys after they signed to Fiddler and released this album they did their first ever tour outside Arizona which is where they were from at the time Um, and it just kind of exploded from there I guess them and uh, they were just on the road forever after that feels like anyway up until they had their breakup hiatus thing and then finally eventually broke up in 2011 so
1: like they the band were originally called uh, the radiation defines theory which yeah. is about as close as you can get to the dillinger escape plan yeah do totally. <laughs> <laughs> you think li- you think like that band <laughs> you think
0: um Aye, <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> um. It's very much like a Dungeon Escape Plan light, I would say. <laughs> they take a lot of a lot of influence from like Metalcore. More like Unearthed kind of stuff, maybe even like songs to fan the flames, revent, uh, refused that kind of There's thing. There's a
2: lot of refused in here. Also mm. on on, there, on the second record as well, there, you can hear a lot of refused. It's like earlier refused, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I remember in the like the like, the reviews that Kerrang! had, they were like it's metalcore but with a very refused influence, and also an at the driving influence, just in terms of like maybe the higher up guitar, tapping. sort of melody bits and tapping and stuff like that. Even, I mean, it's, but, but it is within that metalcore structure, and it's completely you know, they, apolitical, though. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I it's all that. about late teenage heartbreak yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Did, did the singer quit the day before they recorded
0: this? Is that yeah? Right? yeah apparently yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah. which is uh, interesting. To, to it's like a Mike Patton situation, right? You're like, Here, do you want to sing on this record? By the way, you need to do it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and the, the only weird. so and the only person that's been in since the start is Jeremy Ray Talley, Is that right? yeah? So the guitarist, yeah, he's a guitarist. Yeah. Um and to be honest, none of them have actually went on to do anything after after the after the band broke up. Um, it's pretty interesting what they have gone on to do. Well, G- uh, James Minos, he he became a he's became a stand up comedian. Apparently, he used to do like stand up shows with Keith Buckley, like yeah, the guy from, two, and, and like, guy from Every Time I Die. Canada, yeah, right, yeah. 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 And uh, he's he's been on Funny or Die a bunch of times as well.
1: Yeah, well, he yeah, so he appears on Funny or Die like semi regularly. And um, one of them went back to college. One of them. Oh, I can't remember. He got like a fairly straight job as well. Because mm. um, the they were broke after the 2011 when the the after the last album they were they were totally
0: skint mm. and they broke up. Although the drummer went on to play with Gavin Rossdale, and, and he played yeah. with My Chemical Romance as well. Yeah, he played oh, well. drums for Mikey. He was kicked out of My Chemical Romance for stealing money from the band.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's also like this band have always Robin seemed <laughs> to have on stage, but also just like throughout their career had this like weird sort of sense of chaos uh, like running through them as if they never really had a plan like they were like young guys not really sure what they were doing. So I'm going to be honest, right, this is a style of music that
1: uh, I was sort of into this stuff I was into variations of this stuff prior, okay, so from like the very late 90s and stuff I was into things like Vision of Disorder And this band take a lot from that, mm. a lot of the chops and a lot of the approaches. Although the singing parts are are, are done differently, there's more of an emo influence in this. Yeah, where his vision was just a little bit more kind of I don't know, stodgy maybe. But um, I don't have a hell of a lot to contribute in the history of the band because it doesn't do that much for me. Although I have tried to engage with it, but something did occur to me mm. uh, I, as I spent a week listening to this, which I, t- I will be honest, I found quite fatiguing. I mean, it is not easy music to just listen to back mm. to back to back. And I'm someone that loves Converge. You know, mm, I, yeah. I can listen to that, but I think they've got elements and ingredients and aspects to their music and nuance that this doesn't have. We can
0: talk about that when, when. I yeah, but
1: um, what I would, what did strike me is that this is something I'd like to call core. Mm-hmm. right? This is Ed music. In, in, in the Freudian sense of it I can't think of a genre of music other than maybe some aspects of rap but certainly in the rock genre even more so than new metal this is like the juvenile id expression now, I don't mean like juvenile in the sense of like comedy pop punk and stuff because there is like a, a, a level of ego involved in that and when new metal I think even though new metal at times could be incredibly fucking dumb And definitely reaches the same heights of id that this does. It also tempered it. Like, there was also that ego element of temper in it with aspirations of commercial success. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, Limp Bizkit is at times completely id, completely stupid, and the basest expression of dumb shit. But also, they clearly had aspirations and clearly modified their sound and clearly wrote structures and verse chorus and and. Injected an element of accessibility, mm-hmm. and then some of the other metallic hardcore bands, some of the other kind of post-hardcore bands, bands like At the Drive-In also did that. There's an element like they also had a political element, which again shows that ego and even that super ego aspect of moderation on the edge. But in this, there are certainly in Passive Flask. I don't think it's the case later on in, in the albums, but in Passive Flask, there is like no real commercial aspiration there is definitely a big audience for this stuff but there's also virtually no growth potential outside of that audience Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it alienates the real metalheads it it doesn't appeal to punk rock kids really there's no there's no real accessible melody in in a proper sense uh the the audience for it that that little guy black t-shirt swinging his arms about pretending he's in a mosh pit when you know the big metalheads will say that's not real mosh pit mate you'll get better than a real mosh pit, mm-hmm. you know, that it's inherently restricted to that. I don't think it was particularly focused at women. It was very much dominated by little dudes. I'm sure there are loads of girls that were into it, but I just mean over the piece. I think that's fairly accurate to say. So it didn't really have many other considerations and it was, as we said, apolitical. So there's no real temperance of that, you know, it, it's chuggy, it's nasty, it's frantic, it's got a kind of, it's got a lack of self-awareness in the kind of way that it just sort of goes for like shouting and screaming to that whiny "Uh self-pity that kind of really alienates a lot of people as well. I'm not trying to shit on it, I'm just saying it's very, very much to me the most pure expression of a lack of concern for the other possible potential around it. It's just id music, core. And I really think that applies to this genre. And I, I've I've tried as a, since I came up with that, I've been trying to like think of other variations of rock music that are anything like as as undiluted as that. And I really can't. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's v- especially at this stage. I think from the second album onwards, they started to to modify it, and they did kind of toy with the idea. Maybe we can be more accessible. You know, the ego did come in,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and bands like refused the super ego of like. The, the the political agendas behind it that is mean, that is not there in this band and it's interesting in that sense even the song titles, it's so puerile it's so self-indulgently stupid and I don't necessarily mean that in a kind of pejorative sense but I just mean it's just unconcerned with anything um, and I, I don't know, I find that kind of interesting I think it's something that alienates uh, it alienates me mm-hmm. as a listener and I'm, I'm, I, I know quite a few people that are alienated by that even though they like heavy music and that's why bands like Converge, who had a much more, had like a self-awareness, had a, another level up of like, right, okay, we've got this. And I think a lot of the parts of this are definitely comparable That's that, some fucking great riffs. yeah. But they then don't try and evolve it in that self-aware way. Uh, that that kind of like higher level I think bands like Botch for example
2: Yeah no I absolutely, I, I agree I kind of, it's weird looking back at this record and going oh where was I as a human being when mm. I was really fucking into this and got it because I was 18 years old, I was taking a year out and I was working in the call centre in Allness and I was walking to the call centre on rainy November day listening to this and going ah fucking I love riffs <laughs> and also just going oh I'm quite miserable and I was also you know, you're 18 and you are discovering yourself that you probably don't really like yourself for a bit. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> oh, fuck, I'll just go to the pub and blah, blah, blah. And also you're stuck in on this and there's not much heavy music happening up there. So you're like, this is your little thing that you own for the, the 30-minute walk down to the uh, call centre. I think that it makes sense that it would appeal to especially
1: teenage boys in that, in that way because there is so much of a sort of self-serving... I sound like I'm being a pure dick. I'm, I'm not. We've, all, like, we've been there, at least, um, mm-hmm. and uh, 49% of our listeners have been there. <laughs> but like, what's the word I'm trying to, try to find here? I mean, it is very- It's incredibly self-absorbed. It is. It's very self-absorbed as a form of music. And I get yeah. it. I get why it was. And I remember loving those riffs. And you know, I just, I think, to have longevity, this kind of music needed that element of ego and super ego to get to somewhere
2: more interesting, because it doesn't age that well. Yeah, it's it's really interesting like looking at the I, I was just going through there were so many bands came out at that that time. Oh, it's it was like ridiculous an absolute one. avalanche yeah. of mm-hmm. like post-hardcore and then the metalcore bands. And it's really interesting seeing the ones that have lasted and I hate that you know how you, that meme of like god tier crisps and then good <laughs> tier and then average tier or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you've you've got your god tier like post-hardcore metalcore bands which will be Converge, Dillinger Escape Plan, Botch, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, just below but that... Well, like, Refused and... St- and yeah, 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 Refused. Yeah, if, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Poison the Well, Cave-In, Killswitch Engage, uh, Every, Fear Before, Glassjaw, Thursday. And then below that, you just have this fucking avalanche of stuff, like, As I Die like, in Trivium. Yeah, it's a, like, pyra- it's a pyramid that it just... It spreads, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff... <sighs> the album that I keep going back to that ties to this in terms of like it's urgency it's got that um, sort of emo part to it but it's also got the aggressiveness is uh, Watch Out by Alexis on Fire Yeah. Which is very different in its its aesthetic, mm-hmm. and Alexis on Fire seemed to have this cachet afterwards and like got Can bigger. Can I just check, and
0: is it Alexis on Fire or Alex is Alex, on Alexis on Fire, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I always used to think it was Alex is Alex on Fire. Alex is on until Fire, yeah. I met That's weird,
0: my okay. flatmate who was into this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis are a band that um, the first couple of records haven't really aged that well, but yeah. the later ones, when they actually started thinking about writing songs properly and, and what they could do with having three different vocalists. and well, like, Case in point, that's, different, that's exactly like, what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like where those considerations start to manifest and the albums seem
1: to
2: st- get another dimension. Yeah, yeah, and I think The Bled, I don't think ever... I mean, they did get more dimensional. I'm not sure if they got better, but they, yeah. you know, they yeah. tried new things. As, as far as I can yeah. tell,
1: reviews agree that they never got better. That this was... I mean, this is very much the sort of... Um, Maybe the maybe the definitive example of the let me say reducto ad absurdum, but like the most concentrated,
2: simplified form of this genre. Yeah, I and I th- find you. Yeah, and I think it had a lot of potential, and I think a lot of bands worked on this blueprint and came out with interesting things. Some of them came out with just fifteen years of shit. Mm. The Bled themselves are not the band that made the most out of this template absolutely not um but it's really interesting going back and finding this 2003 record that had taken like influences from metal and from hardcore and from post-hardcore and like in a very yeah that very sort of single-minded self-absorbed way just created this album out of anger and sort of narcissism and also you know some really good interesting musical things going on as well as just like fucking breakdowns yeah and then what can be made of that? A lot of stuff got made out They're of that. Very
1: much a stepping stone,
2: I yeah. think. I but would say
1: I, 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 like even at this early stage in the the, the appraisal of it, I, I agree. It became very apparent how significant a, an album this was. Not that it was the first of that ilk, but it certainly was the most solid example of that ilk at this point,
0: and became it was really was quite pivotal. refined. Like it, yeah. it was like it, it was like. It was like a really refined point for this kind of music. That's one of the reasons why I picked it. Is because Mm. it encapsulates possibly the end of a kind of scene that was happening, but Mm -hmm. also something which would go on to define like a huge amount of our music at the back of it. Yeah, Um, because there were a lot of bands like doing quite
2: similar things, like Thursday from Autumn to Ashes. mm. Um, There was bands like Drowning Man as well,
1: yeah, were like a bit further down the scale. They, they also captured that aesthetic of like the ridiculously long track names. That kind of like sort of slightly, it's it's not comical, but there is a a, a very soft level of comedy to mm-hmm. to using those sort of titles, you know. Yeah. Especially in like the second track in this, you know, it's it's like that aspect of it. Yeah, that 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 was there, and it kind of vanished, and it was very much of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, see, the can we just very quickly talk about the other records? Because yes. found, found in the flood. I noticed that they went in a very glass glassjaw direction with the yeah. vocals.
2: Glassjaw, yeah, yeah, definitely in the vocals. And it was thousand and five, right? So I don't. Yeah. We were
0: Glassjaw <sighs> in two thousand and five. They were. Uh, they were worship and tribute was maybe two thousand and three. I think. I, if if that's the case, then Glassjaw weren't a band at this point. Then I want to talk a little bit about Glassjaw. Just, worship and tribute was two
2: thousand and two. So yeah, yeah, so Glassjaw weren't a band anymore. Glassjaw
0: had split up. Yeah.
2: Um. There's also. Big, refused things happening in there as well, like the riffs rather than the you know right. f- higher up the fret. But there was, like um, the- there's a track on it, number four, Antarctica, which
1: sounds really like Deftones. I was thinking that as yeah. well, actually.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That record Hotel Coral Essex is probably one of my favourite bled songs because it, it's it, you can see it should fit him past the flask. Yeah, and last American Cowboy as well is
2: yeah. that's still their most played on Spotify, mm-hmm. I think. Car, lover, it's gone, that's right, and, that's lit, and that's like a big Bled song. It's got the big chorus and it does like the same sort of thing as Sinus Sulfur mm. or Never Met Another Gemini on this record. I noticed this um, is the first time that they got the label <clears throat> melodic metalcore. Yeah. As well. well, A few folk tried to make
0: which that Which is weird.
2: Side. Nonsense. But I... Uh, <laughs> he, he does push his melodic vocals in this and I don't think it quite works. Oh my uh, god. Spidey, like, can I just... Can we just
1: please stop and take note of a track called My Assassin? Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is so fucking bad. <laughs> it is... It defies... Fucking belief, how fucking truly awful that song is. <laughs> like he, I know he's going for the glass job thing. I mean, the mix alone is poor in it because the vocals are way too naked. the The vocal take is terrible. It's out of tune. The writing on it is fucking dreadful it's about as bad an example I've heard of that sort of whiny emo take on metalcore
2: ever I mean it's it's truly fucking dreadful yeah his vocals just I think they quite work on uh, past the flask when he's just pushing it and they like they sound like a strained sort of cross between uh, you know Screaming and shouting But like Yeah when he goes full melodic oh. on this It's just like too It's not
1: all really You can't really, really it, it. it can't really sing. Yeah, it's, no. it's not all like that But fucking hell That song is Absolutely
0: Catastrophically bad <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking terrible They're definitely a band Which uh, has diminishing returns When it comes to albums After Path the Flask um,
1: <laughs> Silent Treatment Got some pretty decent reception that, know, It's got yeah. 2007 Production production's really good on it yeah. um, the, the first By the way The first 30 seconds of this album Mm -hmm. I was like Totally sitting up And taking note Like the the first track uh, Was it called Shade Tree Mechanics Yeah uh, Shade Shade Tree Mechanics (laughs) Fucking It starts so well And it sounds Mm -hmm. like They're doing something Really different Like they're like Okay we'll do Yeah big expansive Open chords Mm -hmm. But it fucking Just reverts to type After about 40 seconds And it was so disappointing Man, and then to be honest, the rest of the thing just really passed me
0: by. I think, yeah, You Should Be Ashamed of Myself was pretty cool. Um, but I think Dave, you mentioned it earlier on before we started recording. It's like (laughs) they'd already done it, and I'll just try to do it again. Yeah, really adding, they were. They not really adding anything else to the pilot, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I felt like uh, their guitarist was like the only guy that s- stayed with them throughout the records. And he kind of keeps going back and relying on the same little riff and the mm-hmm. same little breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, the and it's like, all right, you're on. You know, by the time you get to uh, yeah. Heat Fetish and he's just doing the same kind of thing for riff. six years, you're yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. we could do with some,
1: it's, some more stuff. Happening. They, they kind of veered away from the. As much overt melody, I say melody in inverted commas, um, be, in comparison to Found in the Flood, though. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a little bit straighter and harder and less of that whining and trying to
0: sing. Well, they got uh, Mark Trombino on board for Found in the Flood, right? So that's like the big Jimmy World, Blink 1 it Blink 1 and 2. But just so you're thinking, I, I, I often kind of get the impression that Pass the Flask was only supposed to be an album, like you said, Id, like just for them. I don't think they really expected much to happen after it. But then clearly somebody's went, by the way, you and me have something, so mm-hmm. and then they get signed to Vagrant, which is at the time I was starting distributed by yeah. BMG um before Sony on BMG. Um and somebody may have said to them, like, if you do something here, you might be able to go to the next level. And they can I've obviously never did it because they just couldn't they just didn't have any. But anything. they, they
2: I mean, got, got enough opportunities.
0: Right so he was the right guy to get. I mean the guy's
1: got an outstanding by catalogue mm-hmm. and yeah. pedigree. Yeah.
2: And they also got enough opportunities, you know, they were on that like project revolution tour with Lincoln park and then they were on like the taste of chaos with mm-hmm. all those bands and but as i say like i also always felt like they weren't a band that were built for that they like there was no great artistic goal in this band mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean I, as mark says that partly comes from the fact that they were not
1: really setting out to do anything big and then partly from that the nature of that early music that it was so so totally blinkered
2: yeah and, and can, and can,
1: to, we, can we just interview? Oh yeah, if it? you we, are hearing, we are some... not broadcasting from Raqqa. <laughs> uh, it is currently fireworks. Uh, what we, what we, guy Fawkes bonfire guy, night, guy, bonfire night in the UK, mm. Guy Fox night, and that is the night that Ned's in the street typically set off fireworks that some guy in a corner shop sold them that he wasn't meant to. Yeah, yeah. so you may it's hear a lot. right now. <laughs> you may hear a little
2: bit of gunfire.
1: Um, but yeah, we're just going to press on.
2: But yeah, because the bled and past the flask was that like sort of for them that perfect distillation of like 19 year old rage when they're you know 10 years later or you know when they're in their late 20s and they've got a bigger studio and a bigger budget and blah 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 then you can't r- do what you were doing before like that's not the vibe that you had yeah well so. uh, see interestingly um when they
1: brought out heat Fetish, uh the fourth album in 2010 the reaction that i saw in the reviews at the time the contemporary reviews were that they were a band who'd been lost in the wilderness a bit since this first unexpected success mm-hmm. of uh, Pass the flask and they struggled to sort of know what direction to go in are we just going to keep doing this? No, we can't do that. We have to go somewhere. But they didn't really know what to do. And it didn't seem to come very naturally to them. Certainly not as naturally as it came to some of their contemporaries. Mm-hmm. In saying that, Heat Fetish was fairly warmly received. People said it was a fairly rejuvenated sounding act. It was nothing new,
2: but it was strong. There were more ideas in one song than there were on the on the last record.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, they
2: were putting more things, more things were happening. Just to me, it didn't really tie together.
0: They no, got well, some... Three but songs are really good on it, I think. Yeah. They got some serious comparisons to every time I die in this record. Yeah, though. you can yeah. hear that as as the career goes on as well. You can definitely hear them getting more. It's as, as every time I die I start to sound less like every time I die, more like a fucking southern rock band.
2: Yeah, I like to sound they just more like every time I die. Yeah, using that sort of classic blues rock riff, but yeah. in a metalcore standard. Mm-hmm. Then, like. Every, tie, every time I die were like that the totem of that I mean, and the, then a lot of bands started to
0: just rely on that sort of pentatonic scale do you yeah, remember uh, Million and the Sons of Disaster? I do indeed yeah, yeah. they were um, one of those were they not like the members of the Chariot in that band I think? yeah they had like three guitarists and stuff like that they were fucking there was, yeah. everything about them was just like completely fucking pointless but <laughs> <laughs> they wrote a couple of decent tunes but they released like three records and it was like what are you doing? Why are you still oh, doing stop this? it
1: so like this is an example of a sound that spawned Literally thousands of imitators. I mean, these are just the ones that we heard. Mm -hmm. You can imagine in towns and cities all over the world,
2: there were loads of groups of wee guys doing exactly this. Yeah, Um, Yeah, and and we had like the Taste of Chaos tour, and we had all these fucking corporate packaged things and, yeah. you know relentless you know juice and monster energy and all that <laughs> yeah, at the exactly same time that, as all that it? came out it was we're all going in those fucking... big those big tour buses that were sponsored by Rockstar mm-hmm. you know like yeah that it, kind of it's stuff. just really funny that like this genre that took basically the sound of Refused and the sound of At The Gates like two At The Gates riffs and like and melded them just created an entire genre of... Well, it's like an ecosystem or like a fucking... An, a total economy the size of a small country just, you know, based <laughs> on, you know, fr- fringes and yeah, uh, I, studded belts. And, I mean,
1: a, a, what, a, what a population that would be. Yeah. Um, oh. I, I mean, I have to say, uh, by this point in their career, I'm like, do... Do I or does anyone really need this record I mean if you're already really Attached to the band that's one thing But there Mm -hmm. are so many options that sound Virtually identical Mm -hmm. And it's doing so little new Yeah I'm like what is the point and I think they kind of got that yeah, so I was as well say, I think they came in that relation yeah. and were like well, I think we
2: just patch a guy yeah. <laughs> I, I really so. have always liked to play drums for Gavin Ross <laughs> the <laughs> singer for Bush I need to go I do like the quote that they had uh, when they released when they got like so it was just Munoz and the guitarist uh, Tally who were left and they got the two new guys in and they said before uh, Heat Fetish came out that they wanted to Rock by any means necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd continue being in The Blade and I'm like, oh, 2002 The Blade would not have wanted to rock by any means necessary.
0: Jings. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Holy Whoa. shit, that one nearly took the window out. It's <laughs> so a good one, eh? Uh, yeah, so I was going to say, like, do you think, uh, like see when these guys are on like tours like Project Revolution and Taste of Chaos, so like they're like the odd kid in the class right it's like who the fuck are these guys mm. do you think if they hadn't got that taste of success they might have just been a bit more interesting as they evolved yeah because it's it it in, is like, interesting rooms, like,
2: yeah I wonder if they'd step continued being a DIY band and playing like you know little 200 venues around the country then maybe they just have been a fucking great sweaty hardcore band rather than been having these aspirations of oh we've shared a stage with Blink-182 so we should probably write a big song mm. <laughs>
0: I've, got, I've got that guy's yeah, for that,
1: that record label so maybe I we should know. do something I, I kind of feel like they were just sort of like fizzled out as like a wee guy's band and then just done normal jobs I don't know
0: <laughs> yeah you, you I, would I think wonder think that but a band, bands like Alex and Fire never did that but they were they were afforded the same privileges as I guess as The Bled did but they were they, they were um they always had one year towards like writing really big hooky you know, choruses. I think so. the thing that
1: makes me think that though is that the lineup in the Bled was always so unstable. I think the band was kept together by the success rather than the
2: success yeah. being a result mm-hmm. of the band. I yeah, totally, totally always got that vibe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like a, a ba- this album was a sort of success of circumstance, and then everything else was about to fall apart yeah. from it. And I think they stuck at it maybe
1: longer than most bands would because they are like, well, we still kind of got attention. We should mm-hmm. probably just try it one more time. I would. When your lineup is this removed from the original lineup, when you've had multiple people leave multiple positions and you're just basically one person that's still in it, I, I, I don't... Yeah, I'm not so sure. If, if they hadn't had success earlier on, I don't think they would have lasted.
2: I would love to see... Uh, or like maybe look do a documentary on where are all of these bands now <laughs> like all these bands that were idolized and played third on the bill at the ABC sponsored by Relentless horse the band and heavy heavy low low and oh the number god. 12 looks like you no, looks like they're still going, god they forbid were, they, were they were a weird
0: band though he is god legend and, and, and a static lullaby still remains and
2: <laughs> the agony scene and it dies today and sail it's, it's and quite and, depressing yeah i mean th- th- how you, that there's a Half german of those bands are still going <laughs> exactly well, i mean fucking hell but there's like a german word i'm pretty sure for when you're in a crowd or when you look through a window of a high rise flat or something like that and you're overwhelmed by <laughs> the sheer number of lives that there are on Earth and you can't <laughs> contemplate that every single person has a story and a life story like you do and you like you're like, oh no, there's too many people in the world. There that band that that word in relation to Metalcore bands from two thousand and five I, it's like a, a whole other that word thing. That word core. <laughs> that word core. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, fucking hell. I can't imagine. All of these bands had guitar techs. All of these bands had, you know, to manage the vans. Yeah, to manage exactly. Guys. Their girlfriend that managed drivers. them for
1: six months. Uh, yeah. Um. All right. So,
0: Passiflask. Mm. Hmm. Why? Uh, well, I took like. Uh, I think. I suppose... I uh, mm, mm, mm. start, <laughs> start that again. I'm just trying to think about the best way of phrasing this. Mark's like a scared pet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the fireworks are fucking me up now. Um, so my, I have I, I was in a hardcore band before and my family's still in a really, really good hardcore band. And whenever I and hear... By the
1: way, just since you said that,
0: Dave's now staring at the window thinking uh, about all those lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I know. <laughs> and uh, a, lot of the, a lot of hardcore bands that are kicking around just now... Uh, Bits of them remind me of this record, so I thought I'd, I thought about this record and thought, "Well, I think it'd be quite good for this." Mostly because um, I think they are an unsung band because there's a lot of influence from this record that's been on, as we said, to spread. Yeah. Um, and do I think they'd really deserve to, to, to be known for that having an influence? Probably not. I think there's more influential bands than them, but I think it's a really interesting like, distillation of this scene at that time, and I think some of the riffs on this record still hold up today.
2: I also think it was a hugely influential scene. A lot of people got into like shit metalcore for a while and mm-hmm. then found other things. I know for Me. A, a Yeah, exactly. There's still loads of shit metalcore. Oh, it? yeah, 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 oh, yeah, absolutely. But I like I'm I like, would have the, the crab dance if it hadn't been for these guys. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was 19, I moved to Stirling and went to uni. And in one year, I came through to the garage and I saw As I Lay Dying, Trivium, Bullet from My Valentine, uh, Finch uh it dies today the agony scene um i think i i counted i've seen like 14 or 15 of these identical like metalcore bands and it was it was just like a a weird time yeah where it was like such a big thing and then little guy bands yeah yeah yeah, exactly and And then
0: everybody's everybody's fucking ripping their songs off like kazaa or or Soul Seek or oh yeah Lime I had Lime, for, like, I was like
2: finding yeah. you know
0: the top three on LimeWire and downloading them and a whole bunch of bands have sprung up because of that like file sharing thing and yeah. that's a reason I think a reason why a band like The Blood could tour over here is probably because of that it's not because mm. we're selling fucking records <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. Yeah, um, those although
2: they did say that um, that they wanted to get this album out before the internet got
0: big <laughs> before <laughs> the industry collapsed yeah, yeah. Uh, so Red Wedding which I don't believe is the original title of that track I think you're right, but I can't remember
1: I how. Can't remember. Yeah, some sort of political decision that made them change it. I can't remember what it was.
2: Uh, they've had a few name changes on this yeah. record. <laughs>
0: yes, well, the it. next,
2: oh, one, yeah. The next yeah. one, yeah, yeah. Uh, But Red Wedding's a, a pretty solid start. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's a aggressive. Like, it reminds me of a little bit of a mix between, as I mentioned, Vision of Disorder and like the Imprint album for mm. 1998 and some of the kind of uber earnest
0: vocal stuff of Boys Fire. That kind of uh-huh. see One of the things that, as, as someone, as a singer, one of the things that I really liked about this record is that I didn't really care about the vocals very much. I was all about the riffs. Yeah. Um, which oh, is yeah. an odd thing for me to say.
1: No, but I mean, it's, it's totally, it's totally true. I mean... The riffs are the standout feature. In this, yeah. Yeah. this album is completely held together by the... Absolutely. But
2: there's like two or three songs where I do really like this sort of melodic chorus of it, but it's because it doesn't stray too far into that sort of cheesy mm-hmm. melody. It's just a strained scream rather yeah. than a scream.
0: Well, they basically set out the blueprint for like how their songs are going to go and yeah. like this, right? So you've got like a, a kind of weird mathcore converge bit, and you've got like a slower kind of bit, and then you'll have like a beat down, yeah, and then like it'll just kind of r- rinse repeat, like just like yeah. cut and paste, do you know what I mean? Um, but there's a lot, I think, one of the things that really that really enamoured me to this band at the time and still kind of do now is like the kind of weird, interesting guitar parts, like the weird melodies he sometimes oh. just chucks out like offhand. I think yeah. that actually works better in this record than any other one that did afterwards. Yeah, it definitely. And it's organic.
2: also because it's, it's the production is like less bombastic. You just hear it clearer. You mm-hmm. just, it's, oh, you've got the rhythm guitar and then you've got a couple of like weird uh high up
3: bits going, going on yeah. yeah
2: weird high up bits and I'm really on it today
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're using your words <laughs> as, as someone that was obviously the, the, the quite liked like a lot of the same music around at this time this band stood out because they messed about with the strong structure which was quite com- which a lot of bands were doing more conventionally they, yeah. this was quite unconventional i'm not saying it was hugely like different because the bands that like converged and bands that like don't just keep were doing that but given the company they were keeping nobody else was really doing this at the time and that's how I've, that's one of the reasons why i liked it yeah and then you've got like there's a bit in the middle where there's like a weird slowdown and yeah the, it goes yeah you get the big heavy like and Breakdown. then just a a true like yeah, yeah. they use dun, that dun, 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 dun.
1: they use mm. that <laughs> yeah.
0: and it massively emo lyrics yeah that's a fucking uh, close your eyes and die or something like that yeah totally. I mean <laughs> yeah
2: some of the lyrics on this are like hilariously awful. fucking yeah. awful but I mean you're also just like oh, I'm 18 and I'm got this pumped up loud and like I see what a fucking riff I wonder if, I
0: wonder if part of that Is being self-conscious as well Because like James is a comedy writer He's always been a comedian I wonder if he's like deliberately, deliberately Fucking with us And going By the way This is like the most Cliché thing I can think of In a space of a day Nah
1: no. I think know? we're I think we're Giving a, a bit too much Agency to him <laughs> man, I don't know like, Man like the second
0: song was called, It was called Daily Hennessy Well I think the <laughs> title Of the second song
1: Is like very tongue in cheek And the approach to Changing it to you know whose seatbelt, you know, I, I I get it. So this is a guy that died whilst playing his Tamagotchi, is that right?
2: No, it was uh, called There's, Dale Earnhardt's uh seatbelt. Dale Earnhardt was yeah, a very very famous
0: NASCAR driver the, uh-huh, died He died whilst feeding a Tamagotchi. No, what? no, he died he died of his injuries that he sustained that crash at the of five hundred. He wasn't he doing was his driving, Tamagotchi he and he the was Tona, Tona five hundred. Apparently he was feeding the Tamagotchi. Uh,
3: well <laughs> Where have you job. got this from
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to do a fact check here. Uh, Dale Earnhardt. Death of Dale Earnhardt. (laughs) Death. During the Daytona 500 on February 2001, Earnhardt was killed in a three-car crash on the final lap of the race, collided with Ken Schrader, because he was feeding his Tamagotchi. (laughs) No, he was not feeding his Tamagotchi. (laughs) He was doing the fucking Indy 500, the Daytona 500. Look up Earnhardt feeding Tamagotchi. (laughs)
0: Tamagotchi. You <laughs> can, you guys can just listen to the sound of fireworks in the background. Though. <laughs> mm, mm, no, <laughs> this, Google has did
2: not come any result. <sighs> jury's out. Uh, I, I mean, the jury's out and going what is Chris on about? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck's he talking about? Do you remember about? Tamagotchis? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know why I was talking about that today? Because they came out they the were same... Big. They came out the same Christmas as uh, Wrigley's Airwaves Chewing Gum. <laughs> and I had a Wrigley's Airwaves I'm Chewing Gum you, today, and it reminded me of Tamagotchis. Dale oh.
1: Earnhardt was trying to feed his Tamagotchi, so it didn't die during the Daytona 500, and he
0: crashed. Um, <laughs> I haven't called shenanigans <laughs> on that. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, so anyway, you, a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about your seatbelt. Uh,
1: this is like the fundamental text for this kind of
0: music. Yeah. and it's such a distilled version mm-hmm. of what this sound should be. Yeah, yeah the, But the the drumming stands apart from a lot of albums that's done. especially in this song, is
2: ace. Well, I think on this record, that's one thing that they had, um, that the Fallen records didn't, was they had like that urgency and it sounded like they were playing live in a room and they were fucking on it. Whereas when they maybe had that space to sit down and record, they lost that, Chaotic energy that sort of held them together mm-hmm. in the beginning, and um, they just sounded like a band going, "Oh, I would maybe we could put that riff in," mm-hmm. whereas this just sounded like four people going very fast. Yeah. yeah,
1: it does. It does have a little bit more of an injection of melody in this one as well.
0: Yeah there's a a bit in the second verse kind of like around 1 minute 30 where they kind of switch up the arrangement and it does like this really big ascending thing and then everything (laughs) like like the bass and the two guitars are playing like three completely different melodies which is like really really cool Um, and then you've got like a kind of weird math chord beat down at the end as well which again nobody else was really doing at that time who are contemporaries of who are i wouldn't say contemporaries of theirs but like basically bands that they would be playing with <clears throat> and another thing you think about is like these are guys in the fucking middle of nowhere Tucson, arizona like what the fuck business have they got playing music like this this is the kind of tunes that would be coming from like a big cultural hub yeah you know, like new york fucking los angeles or whatever
2: yeah
1: um, um you're talking about kind of decent guitar interplay earlier on i mm. think the third track uh, i never met another gemini is one of the better examples of guitar
2: yeah this guitar like-
1: is feeding and intertwining yeah.
2: This is one of my favourite tracks When I was listening to the album back in the day But the vocals are fucking stinking Ah see I don't mind the vocals Because it just adds out that wee bit of melody That you kind of want But yeah, it sort of, it comes in at this very immediate track, very urgent track. And it's got like the sort of, the big power chords, but the tapping that's happening, like it's fucking like uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC. <laughs> I'm making myself laugh thinking about the Tamagotchi thing. Because <laughs> if that turns out to be wrong, I'm going to be like... I mean, I'm truly, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Did that black out? <laughs> like, was this a dream? But yeah, then they, like, as the... But uh, verses going through, you've got that wee tapping, which is very ACDC Thunderstruck <laughs> actually. But um,
0: I fucking yeah. hate ac I hate ACDC as well. But this is, this is better Finny. than ac Oh yeah, And yeah. um, when they so. drop the audio, but but in it sounds fucking epic, man. Yeah, with that kind of off time beat down again. <laughs> Yeah, which middle bit Is quite unremarkable i was written down here His sound voice Just isn't the best no. <laughs> At all It does get better as, a cre- as, as his career As the career of the band goes on uh-huh. He does He always he learns to sing A bit more But it's not very good here
1: Ruth Buzzy Better watch her back Yeah It's a quote from Wet Hot America yeah, Summer Is that right? right. Yeah, uh
0: huh <laughs> Uh, Which is like, that's thinking about it way back then That's a deep cut reference man, like yeah, nobody would have
1: with But it's that. also that kind of really dumb, childish id thing that I was talking about It's like, yeah, it's it's kind of flippant, it's apolitical It's just like, this really sort of naff fucking reference Um, th- This one actually, one thing I will say musically I had time for this because it was the one that felt the most authentically old school mm-hmm. So going back maybe five years prior to the bands that really kicked off not this sound, but the precursor to this sound. It felt the truest to those influences. The yeah. really chuggy bit in the middle felt mm. quite authentic to that, like they were yep. wearing their influences on their sleeve. Uh, and there's a really good beat down in this at 210 as well. It's mm-hmm. it's one of the... I've the got that fun. as well, like a Converge style
2: sort
3: of yeah. thing.
0: I found one of the things I find interesting about this is like it's got like eight different separate sections within the first minute it's like just completely different things they're doing like a bit, a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of this and then, the then you've got the big beep down and then another beep down, the one you're talking about Chris uh, they're drumming again, it's fucking insane in that song like Mike Pe- Mike Pickle, and despite the fact he may allegedly be a thief <laughs> is, a, is a fantastic I don't hold summer. it against him because he stole from a band that deserved to be robbed <laughs> and they've never united. So <laughs>
3: they're going like, to rob yeah, lots of people that robbed them a bit harder
0: <laughs> um, Sound of Suffer Sulphur Sulphur? Yeah, it's on the sulfur. sulfur, sulphur. sulfur's better. Sulfur's spelt <laughs> wrong as well, which is really strange. Oh well. Um it's spelled really if... wrong in my because 'cause I've <laughs> <laughs> written Sulphur. Yeah. Um, but uh the drums uh, on that this isn't the favourite drum take on this record.
2: I think it's one of the less remarkable songs on it to be honest oh, it's um, one of the most played ones because it's got that melody in the middle and mm-hmm. the sort of that yeah biggie um, moment the, yeah mm-hmm. to be
1: honest the real standout for me in this one was the size of the beat down in it the beat yeah. down in it is yeah, pure pretty pe- pretty carnage hectic. yeah
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it's a, it's one of those ones where you're like, when they start playing it, you, you back away towards the bar. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh you, no! If no. you want to finish <laughs> your drink, you're like, right. Uh, and people start wondering, people that don't know the, but the catalog are like, where's that guy going? Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck, <laughs> he knows the tune, yeah. getting the fuck out <laughs> of the way. <laughs> um, track six, uh, porcelain hearts and hammers for teeth. I think it's the best tune on it.
0: that's got the most emo song title in the whole fucking world yeah I know like, it's very well, off the era it's, yeah. is it emo though it hammers for teeth it's not a very emo thing bands are from Up Dash is the and their training stuff were doing like song titles but too. you it's know it's like, got that opening lyric that's generic. just as that's as that's fucking metal as it is there's nothing then,
2: more emo than I'd burn alive to keep you warm <laughs> baby <laughs> you know so touches <laughs> But hey, that that got me when I was eighteen because yeah, uh, I
0: lived in a very cold part of the house. Now look how you turned out! <laughs> exactly. Um, See when the big ref comes in at two minutes to any man, it's just it's like fire breathing. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's. I mean, it face it, this is off. a more adventurous song overall, I think. And this has it, got a great ending. It's a really yeah. good ending this one. <laughs> Um, what I will say, I noticed some interesting comments about this online. People who were ripping this off things like Limewire and Kazaa thought that there was a problem with the torrent uh-huh. because, for some reason, the sound of this track stands out amongst the rest of the album. Like it's substantially poorer the quality. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know. Maybe sometimes these things happen at the mix, especially if the mix wasn't done in one long, you know, session. If it was done yeah. bit by bit or
2: revisions were made, but this track has like a different sound quality. That totally. maybe. But also, I mean, this is the first one where they've got clean guitars on it and stuff like that. So maybe,
1: yeah, so maybe just, maybe I, it was over. Maybe they had a different approach separately. to recording it. It's or? a shame because I think it's the strongest song. but
0: yeah. It suffers from the the, the audio quality. It sounds bit. like it all like the vocal sounds like. It's got distortion and so much compression on it That it seems like it's got a lisp almost like You've mentioned screaming. this before actually When he's screaming yeah, yeah. but it's like a, And Sharon Van Etten and Chelsea Wolf, That's deliberate, like it's a deliberate thing mm-hmm. that's been done This I just think is it's probably just bad production Because mm-hmm. um, it does sound really strange um, But, but you're right I think it's probably one of the best songs on the record Yeah I would think it's the best
1: constructed song It's just a pity how the, the, the mix turned out Um Get Up What is it Get Up You
2: Son Of A Bitch Because Mickey, Mickey Loves yeah. You Because Mickey Loves From Rocky yes. 1 or 2 I can't remember Right okay Rocky something But that's a minute and a half Of just hardcore
0: It's just mad
1: really yeah. doing it for me To be honest with you it's, There's a, a pretty Kind of interesting Dragged Sort of time-stretched Staccato mm-hmm. Chug in it But I mean It's nothing that's not Been done a million times
0: uh, Spitshine Sonata uh, the, the, the first line I lost my voice in a fire Is kind of funny I
3: think why
0: Liked it. It's good, yeah.
1: it's all right. It's, this is a song that I think sounds as close to most of the people that ripped them off mm-hmm. as any, certainly from this album. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm not like it's not their fault that yeah. people ripped them off, but this song is lost amidst the fucking deluge of stuff that came after it.
0: Yeah, you know I mean, it's, it's probably the most measured, th- and it sounds even more measured because of the insanity of the last song, which is just uh, a yeah. minute of chaos. But it's got a really cool flow between the heavy bits And the kind of stop-start nature of the, of the verses uh-huh. um, and, then, and then the big beatdown at the end again There's um, some really cool just, uh, The score garden double stops as well Which I really like Which you don't really do very much on this record anyway Yeah Which is pretty cool Like It's like the, like a mad spidey riff Then a double stop And then I'm doing it again I'm like, how the fuck could you play that? Like, like <laughs> I would just cripple my hand
3: Yeah <laughs> I fall, I fall,
2: Definitely get. Maybe he's got extra hands. Maybe.
0: That could be it. Maybe he's got extra fingers.
2: Then we are the industry, sort of adds a bit of dynamic. Yeah, it's a really good album ender, I think, actually. I like the title. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I quite like the the vocals in this I don't mind it It's like
0: Subdued A lot Yeah It adds something to this record That was lacking before This was always phenomenal live Because of that big sing along At the end Mm -hmm. Used to play it last And it was like Yeah We get it (laughs) You <laughs> guys get it <laughs> And then nothing we see leaves this room Which is kind of cool I was always confused as to why this was here Because we are the this race Should probably be last Yeah you could just swap them around yeah. Easily uh, the first riff is really cool with the fast bit. Yeah, I like it. I like a fast beat. And then, um, but there's just a lot of ideas on here that do better elsewhere. So it feels like it's just kind of tagged on. And see me think about how Hotel Coral Essex is not on this record. That, yeah, but that they'd could already written definitely it. be there. Yeah, because that song is an absolute beast. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. probably worth mentioning, like as well, that the reissue of this with the the ten songs taken from the first two EPs. I think actually some of those songs are pretty strong. Um, yeah, there's uh, some interesting stuff. They're quite you know some of them are quite unevolved but there's actually some really interesting insights into where they were coming from in there. Mm. It's it's a bit like when you listen to the older botch stuff and the kind of outtakes stuff you know. um, There's some really you know it's not all it's not nearly as consistent throughout Mm. um, but you know every so often they stumble across something that's like a big evolutionary step forward for them. Yeah, So I think the long version of it doesn't hold up as a back to back listen. It's fucking exhausting. Yeah, but um, it does for the completest or for the for the fan or even just somebody on a nostalgia cruise. You you do find some kind of really interesting bits and bobs in there. I'm, I'm glad they stopped it at ten, but I will say that given that I'm not the biggest fan of it, um, the style, let alone the record, uh, I I found it really hard going to listen to it multiple times and I did listen to it multiple times but
2: I Mm -hmm. felt thoroughly fatigued Mm. well Uh, it's funny how kind of going back to it after fuck nearly 15 years no more than 15 years 16 oh god I'm so old (laughs) hey fuck Uh, you (laughs) (laughs) it was more one dimensional than I remember it being Mm -hmm. I remember it when, I came, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is up there. This is like the cross between Converge and At The Drive-In that I've been looking for the whole time. And then going back to it, I'm like, oh, it never got near either of those bands. Yeah. Yeah. It does what, one
0: thing really fucking well. Yeah.
2: So, here's, so
1: here is the twist in the tail then, right? Cause I totally agree with that. I'm a fan of At The drive I'm a huge fan of Converge. And I totally agree with you. It's very one-dimensional. Um, and it's for that reason that I'm actually going to say yes, I think it should go in. Because I think, I don't like it, but objectively speaking, I think it is one of the most concise summations Mm -hmm. of a style of music that, whether you like it or not, was significant to a lot of people and has had a bearing on a hell of a lot of music that followed it. And this is really one of the touchstones. Like, if you were trying to pick maybe, like, three albums that really... Formed the basis for a whole movement of bands This, yeah. this has to yeah, be Yeah it's in there. a very precise um, time capsule yeah. mm-hmm. On its own Do I ever want to hear it again? Probably not no, Not fucked mm-hmm. really I mean I don't think it's terrible I think some of the riffs and beatdowns especially are great But I like them done elsewhere Where there's a bit more going on Yeah um, But I do completely acknowledge That it is a very simple constituent part But a very important part mm-hmm. Of a lot of music that followed it I'm glad um, you see it the same way I did. Yeah <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm trying to be objective about it. I appreciate its value in that sense, even though I don't want to hear it.
2: Yeah. Really. Do you know, the band that I always compare them to or and, like, of the same sort of time are Poison the Well. Mm-hmm. And Poison the Well's uh, first record, Opposite of December, was, like... Uh, like, it does the beatdowns maybe better or... It's like... But it doesn't have any of the other parts on it. It's just, like, a pure fucking emo metalcore like record down or like, yeah. yeah totally and I, lo- I love that record and then the second album tear from the red is kind of what i feel like this record is but doesn't do it as well but then poison the well then went on to do you come before you which i think is a fucking incredible album and the Bled never went on to do yeah. that mm-hmm. i think found in the flood compared to you come before you is like a very pale imitation of um
1: well, it was, but I think it was this
2: record to, can
1: I just say it was trying to expand but I think ultimately what it did was dilute their significance yeah, dilute absolutely. their
2: relevance yeah. that Tear from the Red album by Poison the Well just doesn't define this time or genre as well as this record does mm-hmm. which is why I'd
0: put it in Oh, mm-hmm. well, I think uh, basically Chris you've kind of summed up what I was going to say but also, just to add to that, is um, I I do like the record. It doesn't. It's not as it's not as good as I remember. Obviously, because I'm older now, I'm getting grey. I'm fucking. I'm a bit wiser. I suppose you've got a super ego. Got a super ego. I wear silver. I wear suits with stars on now. them. Um, my stylists would not have liked this <laughs>
1: imagine going to one of their shows with your hair sprayed silver <laughs>
0: uh, I think one of the reasons I picked this is because I don't think we're going to cover this genre very much, if at all in particular this time period within this genre yeah,
2: oh god, even, I mean, yeah, looking back um, at the amount of bands there were and then going oh, how many great records were produced that I would still listen to,
0: not many yeah, so for that, that's one of the reasons why I went for it, cause I was like it was quite a, it's it's it played a huge part in a lot of bands, even bands that sound nothing like this mm-hmm. were influenced by either by this band or bands that came alongside The Bled. I have no desire to revisit any of that part of my youth ever again. You know, you um, know, I, and we've used, we've
1: mentioned Chips a number of times in this podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um but I do think that listening to The Bled is like the sort of, analogous to being hungry and buying chips it's not fulfilling any other nutritional needs it's not particularly good for you you're not really going anywhere with it yeah. you're not developing any of but It's your,
2: quick and it's satisfying it's quick and
1: satisfying and basic and chunky mm-hmm. and that's it it's just yeah. carbs
2: it's just like yeah. fuck it yeah and, and it's good chips it's like a good well-cooked french fry mm-hmm. basic as fuck i would even chips. say chunky uh chippy chips yeah mm-hmm. yeah I
0: mean, chips Just chips well, You can't get sure with chips, mate <laughs> Just use a bag of chips, mate Yeah um, So I think we should go on um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll side with it I've, I've made my uh, You know, that's with caveats
1: But yeah,
2: overall And me too Excellent
1: So uh, what I will say is I put more effort into the Nexus The Nexus this, <laughs> this week Because I didn't really oh, yes. have a lot to add musically yeah, And my Nexus is a fucking diamond I got maximum Nazi in my Nexus <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <for> Fucking
2: hell <laughs> <laughs> Of course <laughs> This is the first time we're seeing Nexus tonight. Will it be the last? What do they have in store for us?
1: Why am I here? So, uh, Mark, who are we trying to get from?
0: We're going from uh, The Blood to Warren Ellis, the writer, as suggested by The North Race on Twitter. So so
1: that's right. Warren Ellis, not the member of Dirty Three. The writer, the comic writer. book man. I mean, Warren Ellis from Dirty Three may also be a writer. And he yeah, that's true. I
0: yeah. feel hard done by him. Right. I'm sure he can, right? Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, so, you take it away. Yeah, so, th- as I've mentioned before, uh, I kind of showed my hand a lot. But Mike Pedicone played in his band. He also would later go on to drum for it and be kicked out of My Chemical Romance. When michael mcroma started to gain recognition um jerry way went on to write a comic book series called the umbrella academy which started in, t- in 2011. one of his biggest influences as a writer is grant morrison uh, and grant morrison actually appears on the video for their song na 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 which is on their last record danger days do you know much about grant, grant morrison mm-hmm. nope. he's fucking mental yeah a wee bit yeah, he's absolutely insane he's also from glasgow uh-huh. um,
1: and uh, doesn't speak to mark, mark Miller. Miller miller mm-hmm. they you can't put them in the same room together interesting i did a comic thing a while back and literally that it was like you, you actually can't put them in a building together like
0: they will fucking go at each other like a couple of cats i mean grant morrison's a far superior writer to mark miller i think in my opinion um, i mean i'm sure that's what grant would say <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also a massive psychonaut like he's well at these drugs and stuff He used to be anyway and um, used to be allegedly ba- used to be in a band called the mixers and used to play around a lot with them in the eighties and that's when he started to write for the Dundee based comic book company, DC Thompson. Um who did Dubino. My auntie used um, to work for DC Thompson actually. The or yeah. Urwale and Desperate Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah. he did that. Um he he started to work for two thousand AD and eventually was spotted by DC Comics and did a really good sort of Batman one shot called Arkham Asylum, a serious house and series Earth. Um and he's written a ton of amazing stuff. His Batman stuff is really, really good actually he was responsible for a, a huge art called uh, Batman R.I.P. His Batman and Robin Run with F, the, the Glaswegian uh, artist Frank Quitely is really good as well. And Frank Quitely is a fucking great artist. Yeah. yeah, he's actually based in Glasgow. Like, he yeah, actually does he a lot of a his drink work in Glasgow. Man. Anyways, one of, his most re- th- one of his most recent things is a comic called Happy, which has turned into a TV oh, show. Yeah, yeah, for- um, I don't know if you know about it, but it's about an alcoholic cop who sees his kid's imaginary friend when she gets kidnapped. It's, it's uh, really John Hamm. Mm hmm. No, it's uh, Chris Christopher Maloney that plays the that plays the uh, the guy, oh. and uh, Patton Oswald who plays the who plays Happy <laughs> the the unicorn. Um, what am I thinking? Of? What a mess! <laughs> <laughs> the art on that series was done by Derek Robinson, who's a great artist. He's worked quite a lot, quite extensively with Garth Enos on stuff like The Boys, Punisher Max, and all that. But he also worked with Warren Ellis on Transmetropolitan, Transmetropolitan, which is like one of has kind of most defining comics. Um, it's also really good. And the lead character kind of looks a little bit like Grant Morrison, which is also weird. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, Lauren Ellis? Yeah. Lauren Ellis. You Dave,
2: go. you want to go? Mine's, mine's yeah. an epic, man. Okay, of course it is. All right, it's your birthday, so you're allowed to go epic. Thank you. Um, on past the flask, uh, in the credits, Ryan Joseph Shaughnessy was credited as the photographer. Um, I can't remember what the photos looked like. I think there was like a sweaty photo of the band, maybe. But Ryan Joseph Shaughnessy is an American photographer. He's directed some short films and stuff like that. But he's pretty well known, done some interesting art exhibitions. But he's also done a lot of like global campaigns for fucking everybody from Levi's to Apple. And then he's done stuff with, you know, Spin, Vice, all that. Um, He's also done some photography with uh, hip hop acts such as Lil Wayne and Odd Future. Odd Future, the LA based collective that includes, you know, folks like Earl Sweatshirt, Sid, and probably most famously uh, Tyler the Creator. Tyler the Creator, an odd man from Odd Future. Uh, Is he a, a homophobe? Is he a gay man? Is he. Talking about Maybe he's rape both. in an ironic way, Maybe or is he's all three? Who knows? One thing he was so not. So, suggest that Milo
0: and is all three. Well, yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. quite comfortably. Prime, prime Soul. So, back. one thing Tyler. Personally, because it all right? Not because he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> should clarify that.
2: Uh, one thing that Tyler the creator was not was allowed into the UK mm-hmm. uh, when he was banned. Is Milo? A, is a, Milo? I think Miles also been banned, yeah. How can he be banned from the UK? He's a UK citizen. Uh, no, he's not,
1: not, not, anymore. not. I think he took a US citizenship. Really?
2: But um, yeah, he tried to get in to do a tour in 2013, I think. Uh, no, t- 2015. And he was, um, yeah, his visa was cancelled on the behest of canceled Theresa buzzer. May.
1: Can I uh, press the cancel? Uh, yes. Oh. Yes, I'm not pressing that in ages. Can someone mention Prince? And they were they were informed
2: of the ban via a letter from Theresa May directly, saying that uh, his music promoted violence and misogyny. Really, it was cancelled. It was banned from the UK just for being a homophobe by Theresa May That's by the Conservative ridiculous. government. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I,
1: I've no time for homophobes, but I mean, the UK is fucking full of them. Yeah, and, and like that very I'd government. Say at least like <laughs> half
0: our politicians are fucking virulent homophobes. I hope I hope the letter like starts with Mr. the Cu- Miss Mr. the creator.
2: <laughs> I hope it starts with Dear, dear Pot. This is Miss, Mrs. Kettle. <laughs> uh so Theresa May, I mean, oh she had a a golden period. One uh, of the best uh, one of the best yeah. Oh, wow. What a premiership she had. Uh and one of my favorite parts of that was her fucking stupid little Kneel, bow, bow thing, you know, what a curtsy to the Queen. Yeah, when she like leaned forward and then she was photoshopped in a very awkward position in front of all things. <laughs> but I mean, mine was a chance. She yeah, she's oh Jesus Christ, Theresa May. But um, yeah, that um image of her sort of looking like the. Quirtop man, you know that game where you try and run <laughs> and press all the bands and she's just about to fall into the Queen. Uh, the Queen, Her her Majesty Elizabeth, Old Betty, a royal uh, Madge, it's just come out recently that uh, she demanded a speaking part as part of the 2012 Olympic opening ceremony when she met James, a.k.a. James Bond. Uh, and he came around as part Daniel of the Craig. whole... Daniel Craig, yeah, whatever his name is. Daniel James Bond. <laughs> um, And yeah, that was that whole... um, He jumps out the plane shit and... Jumps out of yeah. the plane and, like, a fake queen jumps out of the plane and they land in the thing. But yeah, so uh, James Bond, obviously... Uh, James Fleming originally did Ian. It. <laughs> Fleming. <laughs> just <playing> <laughs> i just James in a fucking inning. don't Indian. let the fireworks scare you, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, James Bond has also been continued as an ongoing thriller comic book, uh, of which one of the lead writers is uh, Mr. Warren Ellis. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so um, yeah. yeah, it actually looks really classy. It looks like proper, like sort of sixties, good spy shit vibe.
0: Cool. You no, know, like his the James uh, Ian Fleming's estate. They still like commission other writers to do James Bond novels.
2: Yeah, I think like a few big names have done yeah, them Sebastian as well. Actually, like. Fox
0: did one. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you
2: ready for Stop this? Stop getting Bond wrong! <laughs> you ready for this? No. Oh my god. Man, I'm going to
1: touch on some nice basses here. So, The Bled performed at the 2010 Bledfest, no relation, which is held in Michigan each year, or was actually until this year, and May of this year was the last one, alongside Strike Anywhere. Uh, Thomas Barnett, who's a string the, the singer of Strike Anywhere, was interviewed for a 2017 article about punk rock and Antifa in The Guardian. Uh, the article, I think, is... Titled No Fascist USA.
0: They will be on this podcast at some point. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, things are really kicking off outside, by the no, way.
0: No. <laughs> as soon as you mention Antifa, that's that, that,
1: that like, <laughs> um, Also interviewed as part of that article with Mr. Jello Biafra and a Mr. Brace Belden. Brace
0: Belden? Why do I don't know that name? Do Brace?
1: you know the name Brace I Belden? I know that name. I don't know this why. This is so fucking interesting, right? Brace Belden was initially a member of a bank called War Crime. That's Crime with a K who we are from San Francisco, uh, alongside his bandmates, Brutal Sean, Ma- <laughs> Sean. Sean, Max Retard, oh, 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 oh. and Pat. <laughs> I like Pat. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. It's pat amazing. Um, um,
1: and they were, I mean, I would, I, I think you could probably classify them as sort of non-PC punk, like slightly trolley mm-hmm. punk, a bit like Anal you know, Cunt. To some mm-hmm. extent, um, they had songs like Give War a Chance and Mind camp but I mean, uh, Brace Belden is Jewish, his family are Jewish, so allegations that he was being you know flippant were he was, yeah,
0: <laughs> there you go, <laughs> nicely <right>. underlined there. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking
1: Siege of Berlin. Um, oh, also by the way, uh, in 2016, Brace Belden announced his uh, resignation from his job. Uh, at the Willamette Weekly, uh, where he was a music journalist, in a letter that simply said he had, quote, accepted a position outside of the country. What Brace Belden actually did was he left the USA and moved to Syria in October 2016, where he trained and then joined up with the YPG, the Kurdish army. And oh, uh, Bruce Belden became notorious, wow. uh, infamous to some extent, uh, as... This guy who left the United States, a Jewish guy who left the United States to go and fight alongside the Kurds mm-hmm. in Syria against uh, ISIS initially, but then also, you know, to some extent against Assad in Russia mm-hmm. and fascinating guy, um, really, really interesting guy. Apparently there's a, a film that's at least been provisionally approved uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal lined up to to feature in it oh, about man. the story. He's, he's so funny as well. seeing his interviews. He says, uh, he, he kind of laughs off some of the kind of mythology or mythologizing around his history. He's like, yeah, basically uh, until I went to Syria, all i all I'd really done was wank. <laughs> 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 um, but well, Brace, is that not all of any of us really the <laughs> Really, really interesting guy. Uh, in 2017, Brace Beldham was one of the top, the, the first three people nominated for the rectorship of Glasgow University. Really? Yep. Mm, yeah, of course. Um, also nominated in that year was Milo Yiannopoulos.
2: Oh, uh, crossing uh, the
1: streams, guys. Who, by right. the way... Fucking absolutely threw a hissy fit <laughs> when, when people, he was not, when it was no, not, yeah, when yeah. it was uh, when it, people started to react. Was
0: that and was, uh, was it who was it that it became? Was it Amber answer mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Miley Annopoulos became a host on Infowars. Uh, didn't see in, that plot twist, didn't whoa, see that coming <laughs> 2017, maybe. I think, I think it's about 2017, maybe 2018 before he was. Cancelled and booted off the internet and demonetised uh, for sort of tacitly approving of uh, child abuse. Um, Infowars, obviously the absolute shitshow uh, online channel of Alex Jones, with some like four million people watching uh, every episode or tuning into every episode. Alex Jones, there's a really interesting internet meme that talks about the similarities between Alex Jones and Bill Hicks, with people even sort of comparing the two like for like, photo for photo. As a Bill Hicks fan, it's fucking way out of order, mm-hmm. because Bill Hicks stood for so many things that are absolutely antithetical to, Alex, to that, Alex Jones stands for. I think the problem is the parallels, things like some of the conspiracy theories, JFK, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Another interesting parallel is that uh Alex Jones was filmed at the Waco Siege and mm. Bill Hicks filmed himself at the Waco Siege. If you actually go to Sacred Cow Productions you can get a whole bunch of rarities of Bill Hicks, one of which includes uh his sort of self documentary, I don't know how to really I don't know what you'd call it. It's basically him filming himself reporting on it for nobody, really. And, uh, you know, he later incorporated that in his live sets about the Sherman tanks blowing fire into the buildings and stuff like that. Also, at the Waco siege, selling bumper stickers, uh, various sort of uh, survivalist and kind of militia-related bumper stickers, was Timothy McVeigh. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I knew that It's a fucking crowded event yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, Timothy he was like actually that. interviewed On a number of th- things uh, While he was there selling those stickers You can mm-hmm. see the interviews online um, And Timothy McVeigh shortly after that Started travelling around the USA Especially around gun shows Selling all manner of paraphernalia Including a book called The Turner Diaries um, The Turner Diaries Which you may cast your eyes over And see, I have a copy of it over there And I had to get this copy from a sort of uh, obscure American retailer, and I'm almost certainly on some kind of list now for ordering the Turner Diaries. It is fucking horrendous, clearly. But mm-hmm. I mean, given the things that I research and read in my no, must, your enemy spare time. Sh- yeah, I mean, I absolutely stuff. wanted to fully appreciate what the Turner Diaries was about because it's so so central to the the white uh, supremacy movement and the militia movement in the United States. Is something I'm really fascinated in, as you can tell from my constant <laughs> resort to that in the next eye. Um, but the Turner Diaries was written by Andrew MacDonald, which was a pen name of a guy called William Luther Pierce, who formed uh, the National Alliance, I think it was. uh was a good friend of George Lincoln Rockwell, uh, basically one of the key figures in the American white supremacy and fascist movement. Um, a fucking horrendous. Horrendous motherfucker, um, Timothy McVeigh actually when he blew up, when he blew up the Edward P Murrah building in um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma had pages from the Turner diary in his car when he was apprehended. But this book, uh, the Turner diaries, was sold by Timothy McVeigh at the gun shows, and amongst one of the many many people that bought it was uh, a young guy called Eric Harris. Bring a bell.
2: Uh, yeah, he did um,
1: Columbine. Yes. Eric Harris and Dylan Claybold were the shooters of Columbine High School. Yeah. Uh, and the, Eric Harris was radicalised by a number of, of pieces of literature, including the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a totally rubbish tract against uh, the Jewish people from the uh, late 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um and spread by Russia. It came out of a book of fiction, didn't it? It came out of a book called Biarritz. Mm -hmm. It was a chapter in the book Biarritz, a a fictional story about Jews gathering in a cemetery in the middle of the night, and then the chapter was misappropriated and then turned into a sort of fake account of this journalist who then disappeared, and it was just all fucking propaganda. And it was spread by Russia via an agent in France. It was a really fascinating story as well. I've got that over there as well, as you can probably guess. Uh, And... um, Eric Harris, one of the Columbine shooters, uh, in 1999, episode 141 of Hellblazer Comics which features a John Constantine character, uh, was pulled by DC as it was about a school shooting and the Columbine high school shooting happened just shortly before the comic was due to be published and the writer Mr. Warren Warren Ellis refused to change the story and it was then released in 2010 and he was somewhat vindicated because the the treatment of the subject was very, very strong. Um but DC had just shat the bed.
2: Yeah.
0: Hillboys oh, was well. a great comic. Really, really good comic. A lot of great writers on it as well. Grat Morrison was on that too. There you go. Mm. He went truly deep there. Thanks, Thank you. Chris. Well uh,
2: okay. Go and vote for the Bled. Mm-hmm. We all say yes. Uh next week. Cheers, shout, it's your shout mate. It's my shout. I'm yeah. going to do something not white. Yeah. Nice. So, After that, Nexus. Are you fucking joking? <laughs> uh, so, we're going to do Billy Woods. And if you live in Glasgow, no. that's not the DJ Billy Woods <laughs> yeah, who plays in Berkeley Suite. This is a uh, uh, rapper, MC called Billy Woods. And he's, he's just got a new record out, but this is from 2012, 2013, I think. Yeah. And much like everybody that just listened to our Nexus, he's angry at white people. Yeah. His, <laughs> uh, album, the album we're going to be covering is called History Will Absolve Me. And I'll tell you what, he has some things to say about colonialism. <laughs> and they are, are they not positive? nice things. Like, oh, they are oh not positive. God, uh, about the roads? Right, so how we go? <laughs> so we better uh, do a little uh, connection. A little nexus. nexus we're calling it these days. Uh, whatever, <laughs> I, I got like three hours sleep last night, sorry. Um, okay, so... Uh, Mr. Kenny Bonella, hello there. You have chosen Alan Hansen. <laughs> we have to get from Billy Woods to Alan Hansen. We we'll have to week. explain that to foreign listeners as well yeah. when we do it. So, yeah, great. All right, um, that was fun. That was that, that was, was good. Yeah.
1: Surprisingly fun for a fairly po-faced record. Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think that podcast was three times as long as the record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I need to get the hell out
1: of here. here. here.
2: It's your birthday and go and have dinner. I need to get out. It's my
1: birthday and I need to be terrorizing some puppies.
3: you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel